on this week's episode, are video games going to become more expensive? The growing power of TikTok and just how good is Hamilton? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, The Lakers Fast Break, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Truly appreciate it. Check out all of our shows subscribe like whatever you can do to help us out here at the pop culture cosmos or any of our other great shows including my fellow host shows go ahead and just truly appreciate that as well but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he's our own singing bureaucrat of pop culture cosmos you gotta go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com also as well his great podcast that he has, not only Topicocalypse, but the returning Super BS Gamescast, which just put out another episode this week. And, of course, his book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get today at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? So... Um... Me, like like most of the other listeners out there, we really want to know, when are you going to make that announcement about your uh, vice president run with Kanye West? You hear that silence? That was my answer. I'm just going to say this. Best of luck to him. Best of luck. <laughs> Best of luck. Way to throw that political stuff on a show that we don't want to put politics into. All right. Well, you did ask me about The Last of Us controversy a couple episodes ago, so I figured why not. Different. That's a video uh, game issue. Yeah, that's a video game Kanye issue. West is pop culture, you know, this is yeah, the cosmos. That, that's a, that's just people around. having some hang-ups right there. Mm, but all right, yeah. all right, all right, all right, right. It's a great game from what I've seen. But anyways, got a lot of things to talk about. We're coming up here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Going to be talking about the growing power of TikTok as a power, as a social media entity. And so we're going to talk about TikTok coming up here later in the show. We're going to return our conversation on Fallout and the new series that's going to become on Amazon because it just got a green light to go ahead as a series and development for Amazon. So we're going to talk about the prospect of Fallout on Amazon. Let's also as well, we're going to continue our top 100-ish movie countdown. So we're going to have today numbers 30 to 39 in our top 100-ish movie countdown. We're also going to be talking about Hamilton. That just hit Disney+. Plus. Everybody's talking about Hamilton on Disney+, Plus right now. Is it really as good as everyone says it is? I'm going to give you my thoughts on it coming up at the back end of the show. But there is a lot to talk about in pop culture outside of Kanye West deciding whether or not he's actually running for president or if he's just dropping another album. That's up to him. But one thing I am getting concerned about is with this next generation of consoles coming on hand very, very soon in the not-too-distant future is the prospect of video game prices possibly going back up again. And I say again because the video game prices haven't gone up really in, what, close to 20 years. 
At one time, they were in the $70 range for a game in certain systems. That's what I remember paying. That's what I remember people having to pay back in the day. That could be a thing, again, as NBA 2K, for certain versions of their game that's coming out, if you want to upgrade from the version that you get, let's say you get a PlayStation 4 version coming out later this year. If you want to go ahead and get a PlayStation 5, instead of the free upgrades that many of the other developers you know, are charging out there, 2K is saying you got to pay an extra $10 on top of that. So now you're talking about $70 to get a cut version of the latest 2K and put be able to go ahead and just take full advantage of it on a PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X for that matter. So I want to ask you, my friend, this has created a lot of stir and conversation with fans, with gamers and people in the industry and all that nine yards about the possibility of video game prices going up. And this to me was inevitability because you see these major productions on these AAA games. Price isn't getting any cheaper to make these things, man. No, they're not. I mean, it was kind of inevitability. Like you wonder, you know, back in the day, what was, remember the Mario RPG that came out when, you know, I was a kid when this game came out. Uh, you were, what, in your 20s or 30s, right? Somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. It's me twice um, already. That's twice you got me today. No, but I mean, like, do you remember that? Like the, the Mario RPG was, it was, it, I, I want to say it was like $80 when it first came out, right? It was some, it, it was like, the price was sky high on this. Like even, it wasn't just the Mario RPG. It was like, you know, you go out and you buy a Sega game. Sega game prices were all over the place. Nintendo 64, it wasn't just, you know, you had some that were $20 and some that went up to 60, 70, maybe more than that too. Like that, the only time that, you know, the games reached equilibrium at the PlayStation, right? The PlayStation and then, or it started to, and then PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, like we went to like $40 and the norm was $50 and the norm was $60 and it's just kind of stuck at that point. But, you know, it makes you wonder, like the with all the, you hear about all the the time and effort putting into making these games. You hear about like the burnout and all that stuff. Like it, it's only a matter of time before like it's going to start costing them more money. You know, we the with with the hours being worked and the talent being poured into these. Like it, it just it feels like it's not at equilibrium right now. Like it's it they're losing money on these. I know The Last of Us and Final Fantasy VII. Like they've sold. A whole lot of copies of that but i mean what happens to a game that that doesn't do that you know like your uh your cabela games or your um you know let, let's like your your darksiders games like what happens when games don't make back that money like what what do you do like you have to sell things for more money in order to really justify what goes into them i feel like i mean it, what what are your thoughts on it let's take a game that is very divisive you and i just were divisive on it that's The Last of Us 2. You know, you could talk about all the content issues that are in it. You could talk about the depressing mood and the, the you know, all that stuff that's going on within it. Uh, basically a pandemic within playing within the middle of a pandemic. You talk about all that controversy and the user reviews as compared to the critical reviews and all that. The production values are top-notch on this game. Let's just put that out there. If you, know, if you you are an appreciation of the video game medium as an art. You got to see this as some type of art. Whether you don't like the content, that's that's beside the point. This is something that, as far as the production value, as far as the the cutting edge graphics, this cutting edge visuals for what 
the current system is because this is on the tail end of the current generation. I mean, you have to see that it costs some money to do that. Virtually everybody out there has seen the videos that take place of how they do this in the green screen, the mocap, and, and they get the actors, name actors, not so name actors, voice actors. They're, they all cost money, producers and directors and, and writers and and the, obviously the staff, the, the artists, and, and everybody that's involved in making these games, the price doesn't go down. The price goes up when you make these games. And at the level that you want to make it, like you would of A Last of Us 2, like Cyberpunk 2077 that's coming out later this year, they don't shortchange on anything. They are got the full weight of, of a lot of money behind it. And that money doesn't seem to get any smaller. So in essence, we've been getting, I don't know, we've been getting a break for a while. I'm not thrilled with the prospect of it going higher, but it's going to be a realization where you've got, uh, you know, these games, either they stop spending 100 to $300 million with these games, or they just go ahead and raise the price. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of these games with these high production values to stop spending that kind of money. I mean, they're asking for that kind of turnaround. And you see the, you see with GTA, GTA 5 has, my gosh, with, with the Grand Theft Auto series as a whole, you've seen how much money that they can generate. What, well over 100 million sold. So you see the top end of what you can do if you provide enough money into it. And with The Last of Us, which has shattered a lot of records for PlayStation exclusives within the first few days of its release, Obviously, it's an investment that right now on the surface seems like it was very well done. So I'm telling you, my friend, this is something that, like you said, is an inevitability. I mean, we've had $60 price tag for games for how long? I'm, I'm glad to see it was that long. Would I like it to see it continue? Yes, but I don't think that's going to last. Yeah, and, you know, we were asking, you know, when they announced the, the PlayStation 5 and we're watching some of the new Xbox Series X games, like, it, w there's no differentiation anymore between like this gen graphics and the next gen graphics so you're you're sitting there wondering like how it, it how are they going to to really take it one step further how are they going to really you know immerse us into a game if we're still paying the same price as the old console when it feels like it really just has reached the potential of video games you know we want more we want better and you know, with better, you're you're going. It's going to cost more money, and uh, you know, it it makes sense to me that the price would go up. My hope would that be that you know, games don't go past a hundred dollars. You know, and like the Games Pass services, is, is they, they still continue on. But it just yes, it feels like an inevitability because it, I I'm curious now. Like I'd love to do some research on this. How many games have lost money within the past two or three years? But here's like where I stand on this, you know, at the moment, like I do, I am somebody, I do want to see bigger and better games. And if that means I have to pay 10 more dollars for something, like it's not like it, the price would be increasing, you know, exponentially by 20, 30, 40. Like if I have to pay an extra $10 for something, I'm okay with that. But, you know, again, like I, I rarely ever pay, you know, there are probably a few games that come out a year that I'll pay, you know, full price for and not wait for it to come on sale in some form. So, I mean, you know, it just, it depends on what it is, I guess. And I, I don't know if I'm the only one that consumes media like that, but it just, I, I feel like a $10 price difference is not, you know, it's not a terrible amount. It's a, you know, it's kind of a, a decent jump though. Got to admit that. I mean, 
there's still a lot of people that want to buy things first day. So there are a lot of people out there that want to buy things at, at full pop. The developers and publishers out there want you to go ahead and buy it at full pop. Do they want to see you buy it at $10, $20 off? Do they want to see you buy it at a discounted price? No, they want to see you buy it at full pop. So they're hoping that they can go ahead and charge, I'm sure, what, $65, $70 in the next generation for, for games, and that will get used to it. And that you and I, four or five years down the line, will just become accustomed to the fact that, hey, paying for $70 is, is okay. I'm not sure I'm going to like it. I mean, I had to do it before, way back when, with Super NES and other games at that equal that were, what, 70 to $75 to buy at that point in time. So it's just the way the, the market's going to be trending. And unfortunately, for a lot of us out there, it's not going to be trending in the right direction. I got two points to make here. I, one, like, it, yeah, it it's, was an inevitability. Like, we want bigger and better. And, you know, I, I'm curious, like, if games were, like, currently at, like, a $70 price point, would that be more an incentive for uh you know so a company like rockstar to put another grand theft auto into production but also like if you don't you know th there are smaller games out there like the indie games that do give you the experiences of a big game you know and that that's something that i i hope to see continuing but it's also you know you can get a great game it is important to remember you can get a great game outside of the AAA experience that's true, and uh, people need to be aware of, especially for a lot of people that are out there that love Steam and the Epic Store, there's a lot of indie games. And, of course, people that have the PlayStation and also Xboxes out there, they get their chance and they get their shots at a lot of independent games, and that's great because independent games fill that niche for a lot of people out there that they can't always afford the $60 games when they come out. But the independent games that are out there, in a lot of cases, can fill a lot of, a lot of needs for people out there. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you know, in this next generation games, you are going to have the $70 realization of, of probably buying games at $70. But you will still have 20 30 and and maybe hopefully less uh, budgetary priced games that are still of great quality that we can go ahead and, and enjoy from the indie scene, from smaller publishers, from even larger publishers that are doing what they are with like, for instance, let's say Star Wars Squadrons, which is coming out at a budgetary price of what, $39.99 if I'm not mistaken, which you and I talked about looked like something that may have been a DLC that's just larger. But hey, if it's a, a substantial experience that, that is positive, I'll take that price every time over paying $60 for it. I'm just hopeful that that's the case and that they'll go ahead for $70, give you that complete large-scale experience you're looking for when you pay that extra money. But you're still going to go ahead and get something that's going to be a great value for the $70 while still going ahead and have that option for lower budgetary-priced games that can still fit a niche for you going forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting to see. Like this was for this was for NBA, so there haven't been like any other big you know announcements on games outside of the sports game. So I'm curious to see like what 
does this go to all games? Is there a certain reason that EA is pricing this game or 2K? Well, it was NBA 2K or, or it was is it 2K or why 2K is pricing it at this point? Like no one had talked about any of the reasoning behind it. So I'm curious to see, is it just this game or is it going to be all of them? And I'm sure as you know, Xbox makes their, their big announcements and all that, that we'll learn more about that. But you know, it's all kind of speculation at this point. Madden's giving you a free upgrade, but only for a certain window of time. So technically, you could say there's a price increase there too. If you get that, uh, let's say you get a PlayStation 5 past the point where that free upgrade comes in play, you have to pay extra. Technically, you could do that too. But 2K is the one that's just outright saying, no, we're not giving you an upgrade. So we'll see how that, that works out. I'm just, you know, this announcement started that conversation and i'm not surprised that that conversation started because see the prices and of development of these games you know they they get into what these movies are doing i mean the these, these big huge large-scale movies that we that we talk about all the time on the show go to 100 150 200 million 300 million dollars as far as budgets are concerned same thing goes for these games and not every one of these games can be a GTA. Not every one of these games can can continue to strike on the top 10. But in order to justify its existence, it has to sell well. Otherwise, you will not get these large-scale games that people so often gravitate to. That's something we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think the prices, unfortunately, are inevitably going to go up with the next generation. It's starting to look that way and like that's just how it has to be you know if the if the industry needs to evolve and uh you know get get better because again we're we're looking at the next gen uh thing um you know games sorry we're looking at the next gen games all the stuff we've we've been able to preview so far with the xbox series x and playstation 5 it does not look any different so if if we really want to up the experience then yeah we're going to have to pay more money for it and i I'm curious with this increase, are we going to see an increase in game quality and, and narrative and just the work behind it? Are we going to keep hearing about burnout? Is this going to allow them more money or, you know, more funding to bring in extra people? So we're not, you know, you're not hearing those stories anymore. Like what, what's it going to lead to? What are they going to do with it? Like, it, is it going to improve the experience for both the developers and the consumers? Or is it just, you know, we're just raising the money for the sake of raising it. We'll definitely find that out over the coming months and years if that does come to pass and games with an MSRP right now of $59.99 going forward would see going at $69.99. So we'll definitely go ahead and keep our eye on it. And if this becomes a new reality for the next generation, that $70 or more could be the price tag. Much to our chagrin, it might be something that us gamers might have to come to realize soon. What are your thoughts out there on the possibility of game prices going up? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Degenerate, known from the Game Source crew. 200 episodes of Pop Culture Cosmos. Who would have thought? I started in the early days when Gerald was with Just Game Source. It grew so huge into this Pop Culture Cosmos, as they call it. And it really is nothing but a cosmos. 
I love it. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Hopefully I'll be there for episode 400. You guys are the best. You guys mean the world to me. Episode 200. Congrats, boys. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week. And wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, when I talk about TikTok as a powerful entity going forward in the social media realm, it comes from the fact that, yes, they were very much out there in this political season. And, uh, you know, we're touching on politics again. But I'm doing it more so for the fact that they recently powered a campaign that put a movie on Netflix from 2016 back into the spotlight. So much so that it got people viewing it to the point where it's now back into Netflix's top 10. Just showing you the power of what social media and in this case TikTok can do. TikTok, what, last year? Or the year before, people were scared and, and not wanting to go on it because everybody's watching you with it and all that and all the scare tactics that were out there. And regardless of that, people have gone on and made it into a forum where people can go ahead and connect with each other. So the, the fear of TikTok has gone away and now a lot of people are using it as a medium. In fact, if you like Pop Culture Cosmos, please, we're on TikTok as well. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on TikTok's future as a powerful medium in social media i mean we use facebook a lot here facebook is still our preference but we're not going to say hey we're just going to shun everything else because tiktok we're seeing is growing by leaps and bounds yeah you know it's it's funny because with tiktok i've heard not heard stories but i mean like i've seen people because originally tiktok was just for dancing and music stuff but now like you're seeing people going on there like they're making vines you know not they're making videos in the format of vines and they're doing cooking videos and they're doing video game content like all the return of vine yeah yeah but i mean there's some funny stuff on there but it really is like it's an alternative to youtube i guess and you just kind of get on there and look at people's videos and it's like at first i was like this is really dumb you know i see i would walk around knott's berry farm and i see like kids setting out their phones and doing like their little dances you know and i'm just sitting there thinking you look dumb you look really just just dumb just stop you look dumb and uh you know the more in in all the the uh you know the kids i would teach a lot of them were on tiktok and i i would just i i did not i never cared enough you know like i just i thought it was a dumb idea and then like i'm hearing people doing cooking videos i heard that someone learned how to change their oil from a tiktok video like it i i guess maybe i need to give it a shot maybe i need to get on there but um you know, and I, I see even like big publications, you know, like Polygon and IGN, like they have TikTok channels now. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's going, it's just one more social media and, you know, like the streaming services. It's just one more in a, uh, just a bunch that are already overwhelming me. Don't forget Discord also is getting very hot at this point in time. Right. You know, Discord, that's another one that like, uh, you know, Brett from topic eclipse like we use that to chat sometimes and it's just it's there's so many ways to stay connected to people and it overwhelms me and we use that right now for the rpg games whether it's the lost mind of foundover or if you catch us now we're doing weekly star wars rpg games star wars mercenaries we just started that discord and also tiktok i mean tiktok the power of tiktok has just by leaps and bounds it is now Becoming a larger and larger entity and 
people can't ignore it anymore. Like you said, they can't pass it off as just this little dancing video and there you go. It's now something that could be used going forward as a powerful medium. I mean, uh, one of the execs at Disney just left Disney to go to TikTok, to run TikTok. So that tells you the growing interest as a medium for TikTok. So if anybody out there starts to go ahead and say passes off TikTok as something the kids do, that's underestimating it, and that's underestimating it by a lot. What are your thoughts on TikTok? Are you on TikTok? Let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, I don't like I say Pop Culture Cosmos, Yahoo.com or any other social media. Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok. Let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok. My friend, before we head on out for the half hour break, Amazon. Just acquired the rights to Fallout, the series. We talked a little bit about it on the Friday show. Wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on it. I know Jamie had some thoughts. Fortunately, he couldn't make it here today to talk more about it. But I want to hear your thoughts on Amazon getting the rights to Fallout and if you think that will end up being a TV series worth watching. Uh, it could be good. I mean, I know I, I think I've talked about this before. I didn't like the second season of Westworld. And I know, like the it's the Westworld team behind the the new Fallout game. I think that it could be done, and it could be really good because they do have the talent to make that happen. Is it going to be based on any of the games? Is it going to be its own timeline? It's going to be like um you know a continuation of one of the games? Uh, there's just there's a lot of questions there because all we really got was like the the please stand by symbol right and the uh the the music playing in the background so. At this point, I do want more details. I can speculate a lot. Uh, I would just hope that like it, it feels like the world of Fallout. You know, it's not just we're using this title and we're going to write our own drama because that's what you see a lot of the time with these uh, video game. You know, you have these big producers coming in and making video game based shows. Like it just doesn't feel like it's based on a video game. You know, there are parts in like Walking Dead, for example, that don't feel like they're based on a comic book. So it's I, I would just I hope that. They'd stick true to the source material and, you know, give it, give it, make it compatible, not compatible, but accessible for people who don't watch the show, but also make it, uh, make it feel like that world is coming to life for people who do play the game. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will turn out to be something that a lot of people can enjoy. Like you said, Westworld is, Westworld's up and down. Westworld is up and down as a series, but it's still since the the demise and the end of Game of Thrones, it's been something a lot of people gravitate towards to as a series for HBO fans. I've been up and down with Westworld over the years personally, and I'm not 100% sold that Fallout's going to be a great representation, although I'm not exactly a big fan of the Fallout series, especially after Fallout 76. But the Fallout series, as far as a cohesive storyline, has not been super great it's been good the premise is there the post-apocalyptic story and the climate is there i'm just not sure that if if bethesda has ever executed it 100 percent. yeah which is you know which which is sad Uh, you know i thought that fallout 3 was good fallout new vegas was was okay fallout 4 was pretty good you know they're just kind of the same thing over and over again though so like it feels like you play one fallout game you've played them all you know and then fallout 76 came out and like even the stuff that they had nailed with like previous fallout games was not working and i think with fallout 76 they grossly overestimated what people want from a fallout property 
and that's where they went wrong and that's kind of my hope that that won't happen for for the show because you know we're moving into this era where video game based shows and movies and stuff are finally starting to be good and you wouldn't want to to put a you know a stick in that movement you know i hear you my friend i just something that i'd love to see more developed is video games on these platforms and i know jamie mentioned it as far as showtime has halo and amazon has fallout and, and why is there no mass effect I know we have given over an abundance of time to Mass Effect, but come on, man. Mass Effect as a series, why hasn't that been swallowed up already? I mean, legendary films cannot still have the rights to this, can they? I mean, they were going to make a film at one time, and they never ended up doing it, but come on. Mass Effect. It's a natural, right? So my theory on that is that there's not a lot of people who want to touch mass effect until another one comes out they're waiting to see is it going to sink or is it going to fail because think about this if they make a mass effect series now a lot of people are still mad at andromeda if they were to make a mass effect series right now and the next one ended up not being good then you're just basically stuck with this property that is just not going to be well received by anybody so i understand why fallout right now because fallout 76 the fallout franchise as a whole is like down lower because of the failure of fallout 76 they're still working on it there's support behind it and that's one thing that does set these two companies apart bethesda they work towards fixing things but ea once mass effect andromeda was a flop coming out the gate they're just like nope we're done you know and they wash their hands of the same way they wash their hands of anthem so i'm looking forward to seeing a fallout series on amazon to seeing how well it will connect Amazon Prime, this is something you and I talked about in 2016 when we first started doing the shows, how Amazon Prime seemed to be having this this video side of the equation as just an add-on, something that was just there. They didn't care about it. They weren't putting money into it. Well, they're putting money into it now with the Fallout series, the tons of money they're dishing out for Lord of the Rings. There can be little complaints about what Amazon is doing now as a streaming service to go ahead and provide consumers content. And that's something we can no longer argue about as far as Amazon not spending the money to go ahead and have Amazon Prime Video be a viable entity. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. They do put quality into the things that they make, and uh, you know they have not yet made something that has disappointed me. But it's a uh, like all things, it, it's it's a risk. It has its risk, but I think that you know, despite Fallout seventy six not being good, I feel like this has the potential to be something really interesting. Especially like if the 
all the elements of it are done correctly. You know, I've, I'm, I've been looking at, I, I go in, I went into the boys, you know, the boys, I went in thinking like, that's eh, not going to be that good. And it, it just blew me away, you know? And I, I feel like that, that, uh, just the production value that they're able to put into things is going to make this something special. It's funny how I'm reading these trade papers variety. I was checking out and how the boys and doom patrol, which were two of the higher rated series of 2019. Both of them are getting like Zippo Zippo response as far as for what we're seeing with uh, any Emmy type coverage or any type performance that's well thought of. The Watchmen is, and you know, of this because you can't say as the superhero series as a whole because Watchmen, if you want to classify it as a superhero series, that uh, is getting quite a bit of claim, and that deserves it because that is one of the best experiences I've seen on television this year. So I give them all the props for that. You know, going ahead and recognize that. But I'm I'm saddened to see the boys and uh, also Doom Patrol and the Umbrella Academy for that matter not getting any love. But you know what? That is what it is. Uh, still a lot of time for quality shows from the superhero genre to go ahead and get that kind of love. But when it concerns video game series, Fallout and hopefully more video game series will go ahead and being upstarted with all these streaming services now that there's so much content that needs to be filled. I'm looking forward to a Fallout series when it comes to Amazon. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, coming in 2021 or 2022 at the what are your thoughts out there on the Fallout series coming to Amazon? Let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. My friend, before we head on out, two last things. Did and you one... wait? Hold on. I have a really important question. Did you make a Pop Culture Cosmos TikTok? I wouldn't have said it if I didn't did it. Whoa! Look at we're we're on a whole new level now. We're, Told you we're that, hip. man. We, we are, wouldn't be doing a TikTok thing if we didn't weren't on TikTok. Look at that! Look at that! We are we are there. We made it. Yes, we made it. Yes, we made it indeed. Yes, Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok. I've just blown Josh the magnificent mind. Well, right now we're going to go ahead into continuing our top one hundred ish movie countdown which you can also see in a written form on popculturecosmos.com. And we're now up to 30 to 39, as chosen by you, the viewers and listeners and followers out there of the Pop Culture Cosmos. So at number 39, my friend, on our top 100-ish movie countdown, it's La La Land. I know we're going to be talking a little bit more about musicals here coming up at the end of the show as I review Hamilton. But I want to hear your thoughts on La La Land Obviously, it garnered a lot of acclaim. Obviously, it's well thought of. I just think as well, it's a, it's a great pick at number 39. And uh, for people who are not really into musicals and dancing and all that stuff, it's actually a very, very good introduction to them and maybe will get people into liking more musicals, like Hamilton. So I have not actually seen La La Land. You know, I had a lot of people recommend it to me, and it was something that I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll get a chance to sit, sit down and watch it. But, I mean, I was – that was – I think we talked about this. Like, that year I was really behind on all the movies. You know, I just hadn't had a chance to watch any of them. So that's just one that kind of fell by the wayside for me. Is it worth watching? I think it is. It's uh, – I think it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, not the best musical I've ever seen. But it is, it still, it holds up very nicely. 
just to see what the kind of expense and the kind of production it is. It's it's well worth. Okay. All right. I'll I'll check it out. Number thirty eight on our list of the top one hundred ish movie countdown is a classic, but its impression that is given on the movie industry over the course of so many years is not to be understated. But it is the classic tale, Lawrence of Arabia. This is one that I had to watch for a film class. It's actually really good. You know, it it holds up even you know in in modern times, it holds up pretty well. But what are your, what are your thoughts on it? If, like you said, it holds up pretty well. I think the cinematography for that time, I think that's the best part. I like it. Obviously, it's you know, it's drama, love story, Omar Sharif, uh, you know, just uh, at his finest right there. I just think it just capturing that type of time, that age, that that look. It was probably the biggest challenge. And I think that was that paid off, and that's why I like Lawrence of Arabia is because of the fact that it captures that essence, and that's why it's so endearing to people today, and that's why its longevity is there because one of the classic films from the last century is the fact that it's just such a a a, a spanning epic, and when that's what Hollywood is doing in that age is looking for the next big epic. Uh, and I think they got it in Lawrence of Arabia, and that's why I think it's lasted so long. I mean, you, know, you see from almost every decade, there's one, two, or three epic movies from that period of the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and you see that that's, that's one of them in Lawrence of Arabia. I, I can't fault anyone from there, or anyone picking Lawrence of Arabia as part of that list, per se. Number yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, I I agree. I, I just want to say like don't don't pass this one up just because it looks old. Like it's it's a really good flick. Lawrence of Arabia is at number thirty eight on our list. Number thirty seven is Master and Commander, and that's something I want to ask you about. We just talked about Lawrence of Arabia being in a position where it looks good enough that it will span the test of time. Is Master and Commander? a movie that you think can last in today's age because it's kind of been swept under the rug, just kind of been forgotten about. And Master Commander, to me at the time, I thought was a very well-made film, something that I love the imagery of, but I've completely forgotten about. And it's something that I think a lot of people have as well. But when I see people voting on it, it tells me that there are some people out there that are, that, you know, the film has made such an impression on their lives that Master Commander has still got enough people that like it. But I'm not sure in the long run that Master Commander is going to be remembered as as a truly great film just because of the fact that I don't think it gets talked about enough in today's pop culture. This sounds cruel, but it is, it's kind of a forgettable movie. You know, it's like, it's good. It's like got the, the ooh and off ah factor when you're sitting there watching it, but it's not, it's not exciting. You know, a lot of people went into it expecting it to be like, um, have like these big ship to ship battles, you know, and these big, like, uh, just these big epic set pieces. And it's got some of that stuff in it, but it's like, it's a really like slow movie. It's a movie that doesn't, doesn't, uh, rely on action and and things happening on screen as much as it relies on the uh the development of the characters and the people who are you know who who how they interact with each other and just what what these people went through you know on this journey now i remember uh, 
Paul Bettany, right? He's the, he plays Darwin in this movie. And like, it's just, it's right. Is that, that's, this is a movie I'm thinking about. Yeah. And so like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a good movie. It's interesting, but I kind of look at it the same way I look at the new world with Colin Farrell, right? Like it was a cool, like telling of a historical event, but it just was not something that I'm, I'd be dying to watch more than once. And that's the thing. I think that it has that impression with a lot of people out there that, okay, I watched it. I've seen it. It's pretty good. And then you move on. But with the, with the distinct few that have pushed this movie onto this list at such a high location, I think it resonates with them. Uh, and that's surprising to see for me, because again, I thought that master commander was, Oh yeah, I watched it. It was good. And then, then you move on with life, but to see it in this high placed, I'm kind of surprised, but pleasantly in a way that it reminds us just how good of a film Master Commander truly is. All right, so that's that. That's at number 37. Number 36 is Oh Brother, Where Are Thou? And this is something that I've... It's kind of difficult to explain entirely. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it something in between? Is this a weird and different adventure that's out there. All I see it for me is this great performances and something that I think is very entertaining. But if you're into a certain type of film, it's going to be for you. But if you're not into certain types of films, as far as from maybe an artistic standpoint, or maybe the, the gags have to be right out there for you, that's not going to be the case. This is very subtle in the way it, it presents itself. And I enjoyed it. But again, it's not going to be for everybody. But I'm glad to see it being well thought of on our list and it also being in the number 36 position. Oh, brother, where art thou? It's funny. It has its mo- like it's it definitely not funny, but I mean, like it has its moments. It has some comedic elements to it. But it, it's a uh, it's not something that I like when I talk about great films. It's not something I really just recommend to people. It's not something I really remember in general. And that's number 36, Oh Brother, Where Are Number 35 is remembered for altogether different reasons. You could say it came up at the height of 80s violence and cheesiness. But number 35 is RoboCop. Let me ask you this, Josh the Magnificent. Will you buy RoboCop for a dollar? I would buy it for a dollar. I don't know if I'd buy like RoboCop two or three, but uh, oh wait, we're talking about the old one, right? Not the. That's real. We're not talking re- about the reboot now. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd buy the first one for a dollar. I would. I don't know if I'd really care to watch two or three, but RoboCop one, yeah, I, I think so. It's it is completely over the top, and like it's if you're sitting around with some friends and you're looking for something cheesy to watch, it's 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 a good view. If people want to understand eighty cinema, that's. One of the better places to start, of course, you could also look at some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff and things of that nature. And we'll be looking at some Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff coming up here in a minute. But RoboCop is probably one of the epitomes of 80 cinema that you can find. A lot of language, a lot of violence, a lot of gross out stuff, a lot of things that are out there that may not go over entirely as well in today's audiences, but if you're trying to look ahead and, uh, or if you're trying to look into what was going on with 1980s cinema and the fact that the you know, directors and producers could go ahead and start saying, you know what, we want to go ahead and push the envelope. 
And we want to see how far we can push that envelope, see how far it can go. And that's what they did in the 80s. That's one place you can start looking is Robocop and seeing. You know, yes, it tells a, it tells a pretty good story of, of someone who was obviously with Peter Weller in the, in the lead role that was unjustifiably dead for a period of time. And they brought him back to life in this, this Robocop outfit and the Robocop you know, mech suit and, and the whole mech, mech armor and whatnot. And that became his, his life. That became who he was. It's for all intents and purposes, it's a very good story in that sense. And that's why I think it resonates still. But if you want to, you know, even as the 80s themes and the 80s style seems to get a little bit old with the look of RoboCop, that good story still stays there. And I think that's why people still, despite the fact it has a lot of stuff in there, maybe you don't want to see it still. I think people should give it a chance. Well, it's much like Total Recall. It is a staple of 80s filmmaking. Yeah. You know, it is something that you just, you if you want to know what the era of, of 80s filmmaking was like, watch RoboCop. It pretty much sums sums it all up. Or like the movie coming up that we're going to be talking about here in just a few minutes. But that's number 35, and that's RoboCop. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. So let me give you a quick rundown of what's going on right here for the top 100-ish movie countdown. 39 is La La Land. 38 is Lawrence of Arabia. 37 is Master and Commander. 36 is O Brother, Where Art Thou? And number 35 is Robocop. I'm going to give you one of the epitomes of that as far as pushing the envelope in the early 2000s because at number 34 is Sin City. So I want to hear your thoughts at number 34 on Sin City. I didn't like it. You know, I had all these friends go like, oh, so I love the graphic novels. They, they were great. And I think that uh, the Robert visuals? Rodriguez. Let's did... go start with the visuals. Did you like that comic okay. book style vision? It was interesting, but to me, it kind of lost its novelty after the first like 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't want to sound like this is a real first world problem. It wasn't easy on the eyes. At first, I really liked the visuals. That was really one of the first times that style of comic book visionary was done. I mean, we saw it later. You know, there was Sin City did, did a, a sequel. We obviously saw a little bit of that in the 300 movie and all that but i think this style was for what it was nice for that time it you take it for what it is and it was an adult comic brought to life and that's the thing i think people need to take away from the most is that it was very adult and it's very comic book style in its uh way it proceeded to do things but yeah it it does have a lot of imagery that i think a lot of people gravitate towards so that's why I think Sin City is, is so high up on our list. And that's Sin City at number 34. Number 33 is Stay. Get a chance to check it out because I think it's a very solid movie. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it over the years. And that's why I think it's so high up on our list at number 33. Number 32 on our list 
is the Terminator. Because we talked about the 1980s as being the epitome of violence and, and uh, you know, that style of filmmaking. But the Terminator really brought Arnold Schwarzenegger to the forefront on our list, uh, you know, the forefront of our minds, of our four, you know, as far as what he could do as an action hero, what he could do as a box office draw. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Terminator at number 32. The Terminator, it feels, I, a lot of people classify it as like a sci-fi action movie, but it feels more to me like an art piece because it's just, it's like, you know, the, the first time you watch Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro, yeah. right? The, the Martin Scorsese movie and you're just sitting there, you're like, none of this movie is turning out the way that I thought it would be. And it's just, it's not predictable. It just, it feels like everything's meant to shock you. And that's what the Terminator does. And they do it really well too. And Bill Paxson, God bless your soul. Rest in peace, man. He just, uh, he could not stay in the uh, handle Arnold for very long. Right. That's, that's right. So I saw that. Yes. His cameos in there about 10 seconds, but he's worked with James Cameron so much and, and he enjoyed uh, those two enjoy each other because they've worked on more projects than just the Terminator and obviously Aliens. So, and of course, Titanic as well. Bill Paxton was in Titanic. Yeah. Why? Why did? Why have I not what ever like put was that together? Leading the expedition into the Titanic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's right. Hello. That's right. And they have the uh, what's her name? The old lady that plays uh, Rose, and she goes Ugh, and she drops the thing off the. I forgot there's a whole other sub-story in that movie. Jeez. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch that when oh, I have, you know, six, I've six saw hours. it once. I am good. I am good. Yeah. Do you remember when that came out on VHS, right? They had, it was a double pack, you know, and they used to do that with really long movies. I remember The Patriot had one. Uh, Titanic had one. It was, yeah, it was a, it's a pretty long movie. When you have to stop halfway, switch VHS tapes, that's when you know that you're going to need, like, four hours worth of popcorn and candy. Yeah. So that's going to be number 32, and that's the Terminator. And with all of the sayings, I'll be back, and all the – it just – it's garnered a life on its own. Obviously, it, it kick-started a franchise that unfortunately died a horrible death in this century. Many poor outings, including last year's Terminator Genesis. But, again, they're still hopeful for the IP. I think, I think like I say, you give it a 10-year break. And the Terminator will come back strong in some form or fashion. That's just my opinion. You Number heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. 31, There Will Be Blood. 31. Tell me more a little about There Will Be Blood. I drink your milkshake. I drink it all up. Right? That was named Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, just one of the best actors on earth. Yeah. Weird, yeah. Great actor. Weird movie. It's one of those things where, like, again, nothing nothing about it. it has this narrative that just kind of just goes whoop, 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 whoop. no you know the, there's nothing about it makes any sense nothing about this movie it's really uncomfortable you know and i tell that to people and they immediately want to go watch it so i mean do what you will but it's a very uncomfortable movie and that's 31 there will be blood but before we go ahead and finish off with number 30 let's go ahead and run down the countdown again number 39 la la land number 38 lawrence of arabia number 37 master commander number 36 is oh brother where art thou number 35 robocop number 34 sin city number 33 is stay number 32 is the terminator number 31 is there will be blood number 30 the most popular movie of all time. 
biggest grossing movie in the box office history, which for a while could be the case with the pandemic we're currently going through and the residual effects of that of people not wanting to go into the theater. So this could remain for a while the biggest grossing movie of all time, and that's Avengers Endgame. So tell me, now that you've had a year to digest Avengers Endgame, your thoughts as we close on out this list of 30 to 39 in our top 100-ish movie countdown about Avengers Endgame. I still like it just as much as I did. I mean, I'm, I've been of the mind lately to go back and, and watch, you know, the Marvel films again. Just well, to, Infinity like... War just popped on Disney Plus, so guess what mm-hmm. I did the other day? Watch Infinity. Infinity War is a great movie. And Endgame right behind it. And Endgame, yeah, they're both really great films. And uh, I want to go back and watch these films again, but Endgame was, it's fantastic. Even just like thinking about it, it still gives me chills. It is a movie that I think will stand the test of time as a movie that accentuated and punctuated this closing narrative for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For this, this is the way you get it done. This is the way you close it out. Have virtually everything that you can ask for as far as the big climactic ending, the big battle scene, what happened, the residual effects of of what the snap did by Thanos. And it tells that story. Yeah, it might be a little bit long. Might have some gaps here and there where you could have cut it down a little bit on the narrative. But you know what? For the most part, is is still brilliant filmmaking. And the way and this commitment that so many fans have made over the course of a 10-year period watching these 20-plus films. And I don't think Spider-Man Homecoming should have been the film that you end this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with. I think you should have ended it with Avengers Endgame because it's just fitting, not only because it's the name of the movie, but because the way the movie is. And it's a great film. It is one of the best in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not my top. But it's in my top five right now. So we'll see if it stays there. But it's still very well thought of. And it is, of course, the highest grossing film of all time. And that's Avengers Endgame. So that's our list right now of 30 to 39 in our top 100-ish movie countdown. You want to go ahead and check out the written form. Josh and I are trying to update it as we can on popculturecosmos.com. Go ahead and check out there. Or you can check out our back episodes to catch the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 100 to 104 on our top 100-ish movie countdown on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, available on podcast outlets. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, I want to go ahead and talk to you real quick about Hamilton, because Hamilton is just so much out there right now because it landed on Disney Plus on Friday, July 3rd, and people have been just ecstatic over it. I know you haven't seen it yet. I know you want to see it, but tell me the kind of responses you've seen on social media. What's the word people are telling you? I'm hearing it's good. I'm hearing a lot of, uh, I, I remember when it came out, this was, a, what, a few years ago, two two or three years ago, where the uh, it, it people were going to see this play and like i remember people like just singing the soundtrack non-stop so i mean it must be good it must be good it must have some catchy tunes i feel like it's something i need to watch at some point but you've seen it and i want to know your thoughts it's really good it is really good it is still shot in a way that i think 
Could have been better. I know it was shot over a period of two, three nights, so it wasn't all the same night. I would have liked more close-ups when it comes to those emotional parts or those really awesome solos that they're giving during the course of the film. But I was really impressed by it. I really think it's worth a second, third watch for people out there. I think people will enjoy it. I'm surprised it actually is on Disney Plus because it has some lines and some themes that are suggestive out there that I was very surprised Disney said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sign off on that because it gives me faith that they will hopefully do the right thing and combine Hulu and Disney Plus at some point in time, which I think they should do still, and I'm going to say it ad nauseum. But it was kind of surprising to see that some of the lines that were in that movie or in that or that are in that musical allowed by Disney Plus because it is some of the most risque things that have been said on on Disney Plus platform. So, but I want to go ahead on the performances and David Diggs. Yeah, I'm going to be like the nine millionth person out there that says he was awesome in the film because he was awesome in the film. He was great. The guy who plays King George, Jonathan Groff. That's what because I was looking at his name right now on IMDb. He was outstanding. That guy blew it out of the water too. Because you just you could see he loved every second of playing that role. So yeah, he was awesome. Everybody else was was very good in the film. And I think, like I said, it was just something that it was an experience that people really should go out of their way to see as a musical. As as just a going, you know, it's just a a nice sitting down experience to watch something really good and inspirational. I wish it was shot better. I wish there were more close-ups. I wish there were more ways that we could feel the emotion. Uh, But again, you would have to see it live to get that full 100% impact. But this is still nonetheless a very good way to see Hamilton. And I know a lot of people are not going to be able to see it out in the theaters. So this is a good way to go ahead and get that kind of feel because I think it does make a very good representation of what Hamilton is like. Is it something that you feel would have been better live, or does it? Does oh it yeah, yeah. Have you gotta go. Like... You would go see it live. You would go. That would. That okay. would. That's not. All that's right. regardless. Everything was shot from a distance, so you're only able to to get so much from watching it on television. The best way to see yeah. it is in the theater. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely something I want to check out. It sounds really good. Well, that is Hamilton. Our thoughts on it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Hamilton, the experience that's now on Disney Plus that everybody is watching that has Disney Plus. Josh will be probably seeing it soon. But it's something out there I hope everyone goes ahead and checks out and enjoys because it gets strong reviews from me. I want to hear your thoughts. Is it something that you enjoyed as well? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or also PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And don't forget... Pop Culture Cosmos, Josh, on TikTok. It's been a great episode, my friend. I cannot thank you enough for joining us once again out there listening and watching. Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? Yes, I think we need to revisit some of the Disney Plus content because uh, there's a lot of things on there now that I didn't know were there. Future conversation thoughts. Absolutely. Future conversation. Whenever you're ready to start it. I'll go ahead and unfortunately try to finish it. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for listening.
And here's hoping you have yourself a great.